Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz here for ReadyForTheDraft.com and the Ready For The Draft podcast. Made it through two episodes, moving on to number three in this podcast series, which is leading up to the NFL Draft, which is set to begin Thursday, April 26th, Arlington, Texas, AT&T Stadium. We're one week away. I can't be more excited. I hope you are as well. Uh, so I... Going to go ahead, you know, at the beginning of this this podcast, and I, I wanted to introduce my co-host from episode two, uh, my Silver Lab Figaro, uh, who's going to be two in July. Uh, she really wanted my attention and didn't like that I was in front of the mic. Um, you know, she and my Black Lab Bella are my co-pilots, and I'm sure that this won't be the last time that they'll want to say hello uh, during this series. So I wanted to make sure that I introduce them before uh, we get get started. Um, now I've another confession to make. You know I've been going back and forth and, and setting the top of the draft where all the quarterbacks are going to be going, and I have to announce that there are going to be some changes in the top half of my draft. Uh, and here's why: I know that there's a growing speculation that Josh Allen's going to be number one overall to the Browns, and I'm telling you, if John Dorsey wants to change that losing culture in Cleveland, take the number one quarterback on my board, Baker Mayfield. You know, but but a lot of people are, are con- more concerned about Sam Darnold's deficiencies than I am. I think people forget that he's a redshirt sophomore. Um, you know, he needs time to develop uh, just a little bit more. Let him develop under Tyrod Taylor. I think he's the safest pick at the number one overall uh, selection. If you're not taking a guy named Baker Mayfield, by the way, um, you know, at number two, the Giants, Saquon Barkley has to be the pick. He's the best player in the draft. Um, but the Jets, why wouldn't they jump at the chance to get the charismatic and fiery Mayfield? I mean, again, he's number one on my board for a reason. So I'm going to ultimately pencil him in there at number two, or excuse me, at number three, which then means Josh Allen would be coming off the board at number five. Now, remember, John Elway actually started the pre-draft process in December when he was at the Idaho Potato Bowl, where Allen put on that clinic with three first quarter touchdowns. Allen worked uh, with the Bronco coaches in the Senior Bowl and, of course, met with them at the Combine and his pro day, and they've also brought him in for some private workouts. So I think that makes a lot of sense. But then that leaves Josh Rosen. Where does he wind up? Do the Bills trade up? Or do they just hang back at number 12 and possibly select Lamar Jackson? What about the Cards? Do they trade up? Steve Keim, what you thinking? You got Sam Bradford. You've got Mike Glennon but neither one is, is your long-term solution. Who's it going to be? Then, of course, there's New England. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that Tom Brady isn't committed to be playing in uh, 2018. There's several media outlets, uh, ESPN, uh, Bleacher Report, NFL.com, uh, that are reporting that the Patriots have interest in Rosen. So do they package some of those picks and trade up? It's a possibility. I don't know that I necessarily see that happening because the Patriots, you know, they're they're known for having a lot of homegrown players, and you know, in order to be able to do that, they need to have all of those picks. They actually have four picks in the first two rounds. Doesn't happen very often in a Bill Belichick regime. So uh, for now, I'm penciling Rosen in uh, with the Bills, but as you can see, it's it's definitely not a given. You know, and 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 I know that I've been talking a lot about Allen's completion percentage. But uh, I, I did a little bit of research, and of the 32 starters in the league, only one, Tyrod Taylor, failed to complete 60% of his passes in at least one season at the college level, and just four quarterbacks, Taylor, Josh McCown, Matthew Stafford, and Matt Ryan, finished their collegiate career with a completion percentage under 60%. Food for thought. So with all the trade talk, 
that we've just been been going over just now. We're going to go ahead and explore the final 12 picks of my first round mock. Uh, usually the most difficult to project because you can't exactly predict what teams will trade back, who's going to fall, uh, teams that might trade back into round one to get a player that wasn't projected to be there. Uh, we're also going to pick up where we left off and take a look at the tight end position. Now, I think this is a bit of a down year for tight ends, but there are five to six tight ends that can come off the boards in the first four rounds uh, who can make an impact on Sundays. Then we'll jump into the trenches and take a look at the offensive line. The offensive tackle position, you know, a year ago, only two tackles, Garrett Bowles and Ryan Ramchek, were taken in round one. The fewest totals since 2012, Matt Khalil and, and Riley, uh, Riley Reef were taken uh, in the first round by the uh, Panthers and Lions, respectively. But looking at this year's draft class at offensive tackle, there isn't a projected top 10 pick. Now, do you realize that if that happens, 2017-18 will be the first time that no tackles were taken in the top 10 in back-to-back seasons since 1981-82? I think you do have three legitimate uh, candidates for the first round, but uh, you know there are also a few others that you can keep an eye on as we move into day two and three. Uh, we'll also take a look at the interior of the line. Obviously, Quentin Nelson, easily a top 10 pick. But there are plenty of other talent on draft uh, in that draft class behind him. You know, There are actually four players, two guards, two centers, uh, with the potential to hear their name called in round one. Um, but you know they won't be on the board long if they make it to Friday. I think there are another four guys that could be off the board by the end of day two. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the madness that is the final 12 picks of the first round, picks tw- uh, 21 to 32. We'll take a look at some of those trades, what they might might look like as well. Uh, so 22 overall, Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals trade back from number 12 overall, and they're likely to land the offensive lineman that I had them penciled in to take back in January when they were at number 12, and that's Connor Williams out of Texas. You know, as everybody knows, Cincinnati came into the offseason knowing that they were going to have to, to find a replacement for Cedric Abwehi, who's been a bust since being the 21st overall pick in the 2015 draft. Uh, you know, he did suffer a torn rotator cuff in 2016, had a dismal 2017. Uh, so he's had time to prove that he can be a left tackle in the league. Uh, struggles, you know, were just putting Andy Dalton's health in jeopardy. So that's why they ultimately made sure that the Bills included uh, Cordy Glenn in the trade to play left tackle, uh, you know, left guard Clint, uh, Clint Bowling is going to be a starter in 2018, but the remainder of that line is really uh, in need of an overhaul. And I think Williams has the versatility to play both inside and out. Uh, I think he's going to be the best bet. You know, Connor Williams, if you remember at the beginning of the 2017 season, he was the clear top five pick. He'd only given up one quarterback sack in his career, and that came on a quarterback scramble. Now, then he tore his MCL and his PCL against U, uh, USC. Uh, on September 16th, and that caused him to miss the seven, uh, the next seven games before he played the final two games of the regular season. You'll remember, uh, you know, he he sat out the bowl game to uh, prevent any further injuries. But you know, a healthy Williams is easily one of the top tackles in this draft. Pro Football Focus noted that in 956 sacks, Williams gave up just one sack that I mentioned previously and three total quarterback pressures. You know, he has good size, not great. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, you know, he has the strength uh, and, and bends well. Um, you know, I think he's he's the type of athlete that you're looking for in a, in a starter at the next level. You know, he showed the athleticism at the combine, ran a 505-40 uh, with a 1.76 10-yard split that led all offensive linemen at the combine with a 34-inch vertical leap. 
know, he's someone who can explode out of a stance and, you know, his kick slide isn't all that deep. It can get him into trouble, um, but he has very quick feet that are allowing him to cover a lot of ground in a short period of time. You know, he bends well at his knees, plays with excellent leverage, and he gets under the edge rusher's pad level. And, and once he locks on, he's got that grip strength that's not going to allow his man to get off that block. You know, I think he's aggressive off the ball. He's looking to maul you and drive you back off the ball and just bury you. Um, you know, and, and as I said, you know, that, 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 kick slide or lack thereof you know he often tries to square his man up off the ball off the snap and uh you know that, that's going to get him into trouble you know he's going to try to you know he's, he'll get susceptible um get beaten by the speed rush off the edge and then he'll try to overcompensate which will cause him to overset and that'll allow the the defensive end an inside track to the quarterback um, and as i said the the size you know his arm length is on the shorter side at just 33 inches so that could result in a move inside but upgrading that offensive line, if you bring in Cordy Glenn and, and Connor Williams, I think that would go a long way towards uh, really improving a, an anemic passing attack that finished 27th in the league with just over 195 passing yards a game. Um, you know, at 22, you know, this is something that's going to be interesting. It's the Buffalo Bills. They got the pick from Kansas City um, and, you know, they hold the two first round picks. So you have to expect Buffalo is likely going to trade up for one of the quarterbacks. So, and if you turned into episode one, you know, I was talking about, uh, Josh Allen to end up in Buffalo. You know, I think, uh, you know, obviously I've changed that now. Um, you know, if, if the bills do want Josh Allen, their best bet would be to, to contact John Dorsey in, in Cleveland package the 12th and, and 22 picks to get to number four, to get Josh Allen, uh, jump in front of Denver to get Allen. Um, you know, I talked last episode about the Browns possibly taking a tackle at 12. They did trade back, uh, potentially getting a, an edge rusher like Marcus Davenport or, or Harold Landry at 12 uh, to team with Miles Garrett and then Colton Miller at 22 to replace Joe Thomas. Do I think it will happen? No. If I'm the Browns sitting at number four and Bradley Chubb's on the board, I'm taking the best defensive player in the draft. Bottom line. Now, if the Bills do happen to stay at 22 overall, uh, they'll have their choice of inside linebackers to take over for Preston Brown, who's moved on to the Bengals. Um, you know, and so that's that's really Leighton Vander Esch of Boise State and Rashawn Evans of, of Alabama. And I think Leighton Vander Esch ends up getting the nod here. You know, he was a bit of an unknown coming in 2017. Uh, former walk-on, played eight-man football in high school. Um, you know, wasn't really much of a factor until 2017. Um, he was healthy um, and... Ended up racking up 129 tackles, showed uh, the ability to make plays behind the scrimmage, uh, behind the line of scrimmage, also made plays in coverage. Um, you know, it doesn't take long when you're watching him play to really see the instincts that he possesses. You know, he's quick to diagnose the play, trusts what he sees, and takes the proper angle to the football. You know, he, he just lives around the line of scrimmage against the run, uh, the vision that allows him to, to see the play develop in front of him, and you'll see him shoot often shoot off the hip of the of the pulling guard uh, to get to the running back in the backfield. You know, and then you know, I think when he came into the combine, he was a borderline first round pick, but I think he silenced any doubters about his athleticism, posted a four uh, six five forty, and uh, showed some explosion too with a thirty nine and a half inch vertical leap. Um, you know, while measuring in at six four and two hundred fifty eight pounds. You know, to me, I, I think he's someone who can come in for the Bills and and lead the the middle of that defense. So from there, you know, I just talked about one inside linebacker going in the draft. We'll move to the 23rd overall pick in the New England Patriots. They get the pick from the Rams. They slide in, um, you know, on that trade that sent Brandon Cooks uh, to L.A., 
I think they get Rashawn Evans here, uh, 6'3", 232 pounds out of Bama. Um, you know, the Patriots are going to be looking at, uh, to fill holes at, at offensive tackle receiver early in the draft, along with the power running back. And as I've said, you can't rule out a quarterback, but uh, it's not in, in Bill Belichick's style to draft a skill position player. So don't expect Darius Geis or DJ Moore here. And, uh, you know, are they going to be, you know, looking at, at Mason Rudolph here? I've got them taking Rudolph you know, in, in round two, there's still a chance that they could take him in round one at some point. And again, there's a chance that they could uh, try to package some picks to, to get Josh Rosen. But, uh, you know, I, I think this pick will either, you know, find a replacement for Nate Solder at left tackle or a playmaker at linebacker. And at the end of the day, like I said, I think we're going Rashawn Evans. Um, you know, when you when you look at, at, uh, at Evans play for the Crimson Tide, you saw an instinctive player, you know, versatility to play inside and out. You know, Belichick's already brought in one Bama linebacker, uh, Dante Hightower, who was able to move all over the linebacking core, and I think he's going to do the same with Evans, um, who can be an immediate starter. You know, he came to Bama as an outside linebacker before moving inside for his junior season, and he really got his first chance to be a full-time starter as a senior. Um, you know, 74 tackles, 13 of those going for loss. You know, definitely instinctive against the run, uh, quick to diagnose plays, shooting gaps to disrupt the play. Um, he also does a really good job working through traffic and scraping over the top, you know, showing good range and has speed to make plays inside out, you know, physical tackler, tackler and breaks down in space. Uh, but he can also be a menace against the pass. You know, he can bend off the edge as a rusher, uh, recorded six sacks and another seven quarterback pressures. Um, can also move well in coverage. Um, I think he does a good job reading the quarterback's eyes, changes directions quickly and, and drives on the ball well. Um, I think he could be a three-down backer for the Pats and a future leader of that defense. You know, which then takes me to the 24th overall pick, Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, I think they're going to be looking for a replacement for uh, Mike uh, Mike Adams at, at strong safety, 37 years old, likely in his last season. Uh, Stanford's Justin Reed would be a perfect fit. He's versatile, can play both the run and the ball hawk uh, versus the uh, versus the pass. Uh, Andrew Norwell. Uh, was signed by Jacksonville. There's a hole now at left guard. Um, and veteran Ryan Khalil's already announced that he's going to be retiring at the conclusion of the 2018 season, which means they'll be looking to find his replacement. You know, I think you have to consider uh, Iowa's uh, James Daniels, Ohio State's Billy Price. They're both versatile enough to fill, fill the void uh, left by Norwell and then slide inside and take over for Ryan Khalil at season's end. But, uh, you know, when you're looking at pro football focus, uh, you know, I think one thing that really jumped out at me was, you know, Carolina's top four cornerbacks from a season ago, James Bradbury, Kevon Seymour, uh, Captain Munnerlyn, and Daryl Worley received poor grades overall, which ranked him at the, uh, at the bottom among the cornerbacks in, in 2017. Uh, Worley's moved on to Philly, and I know Ross Cockrell was bought, brought in to provide some depth, but the Panthers expect to compete. In an NFC South division where they play twice against the likes of Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and Jameis Winston, they're going to have to shore up that cornerback position. You know, and this class is, uh, you know, it's not all that deep, so I think they have to take one in round one. You know, Mike Evans, or excuse me, Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes will have to be covering Mike Evans quite a bit, but uh, Mike Hughes actually began his uh, his career in college at North Carolina. Sat out the 2016 when he transferred to Central Florida, but as a junior, 
Um, you know, he really burst onto the scene, you know, four interceptions, one of which was returned for touchdown, 11 pass breakups. Um, I, I think he does a good job reading the quarterback, uh, breaks quickly on the football, undercuts the routes to make a play um, on the ball as it, as it gets in there. Um, does a good job pinning the wide receiver to the sideline. Um, and, and I think he does a, a good job running the route for the receiver, you know, usually gets over the top of the route uh, to make a play on the football. Um, I, I think Hughes has a chance to start immediately at the next level uh, opposite Bradbury on the outside. Um, he's someone for me, um, you know, who I think is kind of getting lost in, in a lot of the shuffle um, with a lot of the, you know, a lot of the talk on, on a lot of different players. Um, but I think Mike Hughes is definitely worthy of a, of a first round selection. At 25, Tennessee Titans. So Tennessee, um, you know, and, and again, you know, we, we talk about the draft. You know, if the Bills use that 22nd pick uh, to trade up, then you'll quickly see uh, what likely will end up messing up my mock draft because chances are if that happens, one of the two inside backers, either Van Der Esch or Evans, will be available here at 25. And if that happens, the Titans would be crazy not to jump at the chance to replace Avery Williamson with a young guy um, who could eventually be a leader of the defense alongside Wesley, Willi- uh, Wesley Woodyard. But uh, as it stands right now with the mock you know, and again, my mock draft does not take into account any uh, any trades. So uh, sitting here at 25, you know, Tennessee's switching to a zone blocking scheme. You know, they had the fifth best O-line a season ago, according to Pro Football Focus. But if you switch to the zone blocking scheme, can center Ben Jones uh, or, or Quentin Spain make that transition? Um, you know, new regime in Tennessee, if they're not convinced, you know, then I think you have to look hard at, at Iowa's James Daniels. He played in his own blocking scheme um, for the Hawkeyes, and you know he also started at guard, so he's versatile enough to play all over that line. Um, but he moved to center as a junior, started uh, you know 23 games in the last two seasons, and like most guys coming out of Iowa City, Daniels is fundamentally sound. He's just a smooth, fluid athlete, moves very well for the position. I think he fires off the ball quickly, uh, excellent hand placement inside, plays with excellent le- uh, leverage, takes good angles, squares up the the defensive tackle, and I think he does a good job um, you know with a burst getting to the second level. Um, you know he's somebody who I, I think you really saw the polish at the combine, you know, just the, with his movements, um, you know, the movement skills there, I, I think really just speak to the, you know, what, what type of talent he can be at the next level. I think he's going to start right away. Um, ultimately, if, if the Titans take him, I think he'll end up beating out Ben Jones and he'll be a, a week one starter. Which then leads me to Atlanta at 26. The Falcons, you know, I think their biggest need is up front defensively. Um, they need to fill the whole the the void that was left by Dontari Poe uh, next to Grady Jarrett. And you know if you look at this draft class, you know it's not a strong one for defensive tackles. But Florida's Taven Bryan, uh, this is a guy who's who's really raw, um, but his explosiveness gonna, is going to get him off the board in the first round. You know that get off um, allows him to shoot some gaps and get up the field in a hurry. You know I think he wins with leverage off the ball. Um, but you also see this really quick spin, uh, I'm sorry, really quick swim move, um, you know, to get early penetration into the backfield. You know, he's got some speed, you know, ran a sub, uh, sub 540 at the combine, uh, you know, also has uh, tremendous lateral quickness for his size to, to beat the block and arrive, you know, in the hole ahead of the, of the running back. You know, he's, he's relentless in the pursuit of the football, can chase down ball carriers from behind and does a good job converting speed to power. Um, you know, I, I've seen him bench press his man to get off the ball, or excuse me, off the block. 
but uh, you know, he, he's such a, an explosive athlete, you know, and you know, has all this upper body strength, you know, the, the lack of power in his legs is what gets him into trouble. You know, I think if he stays engaged, he struggled to get any movement and gets driven back. So I think that's really, he's got to work on, on that lower half to really be a force at the next level. Um, and, and I think he's, he, like I said, he's raw. You know, I think he still needs to understand some of the nuances of the position, but I think he can be a, a productive player and uh, a, a guy who can be explosive against, uh, you know, as a pass rusher as well. New Orleans Saints are sitting at number 27. You know, Drew Brees, he's 39 years of age. But uh, signed a two-year deal uh, with the Saints to to stick around, um, you know. So you have to figure that that uh, New Orleans is going to be searching for their heir apparent at some point. Um, I don't see them trading into the top ten. Maybe they stick around here and they take Mason Rudolph. You know, if you heard uh, Sean Payton talking, he doesn't think that this is a strong year for quarterbacks. Um, that could be a smokescreen. It may be something to where at some point he does take a quarterback here in the draft. I think he will. Um, he may wait until uh, until the until day three. Maybe he's looking at Chase Litton out of out of uh, Marshall as a, as a fifth or sixth round pick. Um, but you know, you got to help Breeze out. Get get him some weapons. You know, obviously Mike Thomas is a is a bona fide star. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr. You know he's 32 years of age, but he's still a legitimate vertical threat. He can get down the field, um, but outside of those starting receivers, you know they really lack some playmakers at the receiving, uh, you know, at the wide receiver position. You know if you think about it, Alvin Kamara and and uh, Mark Ingram, you know they 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 combined for you know over 130 receptions between the two of them, and they were really the second and third leading receivers. Um, you know, Cam, uh, Cameron Meredith was signed to a two-year deal, so I think that might temper the need for a wide receiver here. But uh, DJ Moore did run on a, a 4-4-2-40 at the combine. He can be a legitimate vertical threat, so I think he should be in consideration here. Um, but the lack of production at the tight end position, you know, when you think about it, the trio of, of Colby Fleener, Josh Hill, and uh, Michael Ho'omanawanui uh, finished uh, the season with 44 receptions, 472 yards, and four touchdowns between the three of them. Uh, you know, they did bring in uh, ben, Benjamin Watson, but the 37-year-old, he was just signed to a one-year deal. Um, he's not the long-term answer, obviously. They need to find somebody who's going to give him some production. And I think Hayden Hurst, you know, he's really emerged as the top uh, tight end in the draft because he can not only catch, but he can also block. You know, when you look at some of the tight ends that haven't gone off the board in the first round, uh, Hunter Henry, um, you know, Max Williams, those were guys who were good receivers, but they struggled to, you know, to be a consistent blocker. Um, and, and I think that's something that um, Hayden Hurst is going to be able to bring to the table. Now, now Hurst actually began his athletic career you know, as a baseball player, you know, selected in the 17th round of the 2012 draft by the, the Pirates, played two years in the Gulf Coast lead, um, then made the transition to football, walked on uh, you know, to the Gamecocks, um, and uh, you know, ultimately you know, set records for, for South Carolina um, you know, in receptions and receiving yards, and uh, put up similar, season, similar numbers as a, as a junior. Um, but since he was a minor league baseball player prior to his collegiate career, you know, he's a 25 year old rookie, um, when the 2018 season begins. So, I mean, you think about that, that's something that, that teams have to weigh, but just to give you some perspective, Benjamin Watson, um, you know, turned 24 years old, uh, as a rookie with the Patriots in 2004, um, when he was selected 32nd overall, you know, and he still carved out a pretty solid career for himself. Um, you know, I think Hurst can be a, a weapon in the passing game. 
especially on third down and in the red zone. I think he shows some good speed up the seam and, uh, you know, speed on tape was verified at the combine because he ran a four, six, seven forty. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty good speed. Um, he's also effective as an inline blocker. You know, he can lock out his arms and control his man at the point of attack, you know, and, and seal off, uh, seal off the edge, you know, to allow the running back to get outside. Um, you know, I, I think he's someone who could definitely challenge for a starting spot right away. Um, you know, he'll probably, you know, he'll be able to learn from, from Benjamin Watson and then ultimately take over as a starter once Watson, uh, moves on, um, Pittsburgh Steelers, they're sitting number 28 overall, you know, they can really go in nearly any direction with this pick. Um, you know, I think there is the reality that, uh, Ben Roethlisberger can't play forever. And, uh, the question remains how much big Ben really has left in the tank. And when you think about it, at, at 36, uh, Big Ben is is four years older than any other player on the roster. Um, you know, so this could be a possible landing spot for Mason Rudolph. And I think the biggest question mark um, this offseason for the Steelers was the you know the the contract negotiations you know for for Le'Veon Bell. You know, but uh, you know Kevin Gilbert just come out and said that any extension talks would be put on hold through the draft. Um, so, you know, so Bell's been looking for a long-term deal, you know, he's set to make, uh, you know, 14 and a half million off of the franchise tag but with his long-term future up in the air. You know, I, you know, there's a chance, albeit a small one that Pittsburgh looks at uh, Darius guy, Sony, Michelle, or, or Ronald Jones with this pick. I just don't see it happening. I think they're going to look defense. The safety position was one of the weakest positions on the roster, especially now that Mike Mitchell is gone. And yes, they did bring in Morgan Burnett. Uh, to play one safety position, but do you really think that Sean, you know, Sean Davis took a big enough step forward to be the guy at the other safety spot? I don't know that, uh, don't know the answer to that question. And, you know, if you don't really know the answer to the question, then I think you've already answered, uh, you know, where they, they might go with this, this pick, you know, and I think Stanford's Justin Reed, you know, the versatility because he, you know, he can control the back end of the defense, has some cover skills as well. Um, you know, I think he's intelligent. He's decisive because he trusts his eyes, and he has excellent range. You know, I think he can, he, he can cover the the, the football uh, field sideline to sideline. Um, you know, but I think he also drives quickly on the ball. You know, he has excellent ball skills. You know, he had five interceptions a season ago. Um, he can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs. You know, he can also line up in the slot. But I think he gets too aggressive at times because that'll get him into trouble. Um, you get caught with his eyes in the backfield. Receivers can get behind him, and he can be beaten on double moves, um, which. You know, he, he's a safety, so it's gonna, it's bound to happen. But, uh, you know, he, he's he, in the run game, I think he does a good job maintaining outside leverage that's going to keep the ball carrier bottled up in the, um, you know, to the inside. Um, you know, I think he's just a more well-rounded player than his brother Eric. And, you know, Eric Reed was was taken with the, the 17th overall um, pick in the 2013 draft by the 49ers. Um, but I, I think Justin Reed is, is a kid who is, is gaining some momentum and uh, rising up some draft boards, and I'd be surprised if he ends up uh, sliding all the way to uh, to day two. Uh, 29th overall, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you know, to me, I'm looking at Cortland Sutton out of SMU. Um, here, here's why. You know, the receiver position for the Jags is the biggest need, and it really became that when when their number one wide receiver, Allen Robinson, signed with Chicago. Then it f- that need f- furthered when Allen Hearns. Um, who went healthy is is Blake Bortles, you know, number two option at wide out. He be he he became a Dallas Cowboy. 
Um, and I know Don, Dante Moncrief was brought in to lessen the blow a little bit, but he's yet to even eclipse the 400-yard receiving mark in any of his four seasons in the league. So, you know, I, I don't know how much of an impact that's going to be. And if you look at Marquise Lee, Keelan Cole, uh, D.D. Westbrook, they lack the size to be a true number one wideout, which is why I think, you know, if the Jags, if he's available at 29, you got to take Sutton. I think Sutton is is a guy who's starting to gain some momentum. I think there are some questions about Rid, uh, Calvin Ridley's explosiveness. So you could see uh, Cortland Sutton uh, shoot up draft boards, possibly even to to the Cowboys at 19. Um, you know, but I've, I've said it before, Cortland Sutton can be this year's Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, both guys had question, questions about their speed. Both ran a 4-5-4-40. Juju fell almost to the end of round two, but the Jags can't let something like that happen again, especially because Sutton is such a big target with a large catch radius, and he can be a weapon down the field uh, with his ability to create separation late and uses his big body to, to shield defenders in the red zone. He can be a matchup nightmare on the outside, and I think he has the, the size and it has enough speed to be that number one option for Blake Bortles. So the Minnesota Vikings, obviously they, they won the, the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes, but uh, now they need to, to protect their $74 million investment. You know, Riley Reef and, and Pat Elfline are guaranteed to be holdovers up front. You know, and I think Tom Compton you know, was signed to probably take over one guard spot. But uh, Joe Berger announced his retirement, so there's still a void inside. I had Billy Price going here, and there's still a chance that, that Billy could go in in, uh, in round one. But I, I think the guy who's really getting the momentum, and I'm, I'm happy to see it, is uh, UTEP's Will Hernandez. You know, this is a guy who is, is just nasty. You know, he's um, just looking to uh, you know, maul you, punish you. Um, you know, and just just beat you up, you know, all game long. You know, he's durable. You know, started all forty nine games for for the miners, um, and and the line averaged just you know just under one and a half sacks given up um, over the last four seasons. Um, you know, and and you know if you look at this, you know, he played at about three hundred and forty pounds, but he checked in at the combine at a at a very svelte. 327 pounds, uh, ran a 5-1-5-40 with a 1-7-6, uh, 10-yard split. And, uh, you know, so you look at that athleticism, the game film shows him uh, being very quick off the ball. I think he does an excellent job, you know, initiating contact with his man, um, understands leverage, knee bender, wide base, gets low, and uh, uses that exceptional strength to just manhandle defenders at the point of attack. Very heavy-handed, violent with his punch off the ball, um, just stifles a d- defensive tackle's rush before it even begins, you know, when he gets his hands on you because don't expect to go anywhere because he's going to sustain that block to the whistle and just look to just bury you and drive you to the ground. Uh, you can get out as a lead blocker and pull. Um, you can get to the second level with, you know, and he's coming with bad intentions, let me tell you. Uh, clearing a path for the running back, you know, um, just running over defenders. Um, you can slide laterally and, and pass protection, but, uh, you know, if someone has a quick first step, and, uh, you know, there, there's a chance that he can be beaten in, in pass coverage, but you didn't see that, uh, or pass blocking, you didn't see that very often. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that you have to watch out for him is he gets really handsy. And, uh, you know, those hands start, start inside on the defender and then start to, 
you know, separating from the breastplate. So you're going to see him struggle with some holding penalties, I think. But, uh, you know, he needs to be a little bit more consistent with his hands. And I think that's the biggest issue for him. But that nastiness, that 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 intensity, that's something that you just can't teach. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like Hernandez would be a, a perfect fit in a Mike Zimmer-led team, you know, uh, offense. I, I I think, you know, Zimmer's a, a defensive guy, but I think, you know, it, I think he'll embody the the, the type of mentality that, that Mike Zimmer's going to be looking for out of his football team. Uh, Patriots sitting at number 31. Have their eye on a quarterback. Again, Mason Rudolph, Rosen, we'll be talking about that. Um, you know, all the time, but the Patriots really haven't done anything to address the departure of, of former first rounder, Nate Solder signed with the giants in the off season. So I think this pick has to go, you know, has to be Colton Miller out of UCLA, six, nine, three Oh nine, uh, underrated prospect early in the, in the pre-draft process burst onto the scene really as a, you know, at the combine, uh, when everyone really started talking about him, you know, he has the length of movement skills, ran a four, nine, five forty at the combine. Um, and, uh, you know, teams had to go back to the game film and really figure out what they had here with this guy. Um, you know, he, he has a prototypical size. Um, you know, he, he has a pretty good knee bend, um, stays low in his stance. Um, that low pad level really allows him to sit down and anchor. Uh, but he also has really quick feet, um, slides very well. Um, that lateral agility, uh, agility is apparent. Uh, because it, it allows him to mirror defenders, um, uses that quick power step to stifle an inside rush as well, uses that long wingspan and his long arms to attack the edge rusher off the ball, really keep him at a distance, um, while also using his hands to, to keep his man in front. But, you know, his, his, game, his game's quickness. You know, he, he's kind of a finesse guy. I think he struggles to anchor and can get overpowered at the point of attack. Um, so there was some inconsistent tape because he relied so much on his athleticism to beat his defender up front, but uh, I still think he has the skills to, to replace Solder. And, uh, you know, in a lot of respects, it sounds like I'm talking about Nate Solder a, a little bit because I think Solder was more of a finesse guy than the power game, which you saw come later on as he got into an NFL, uh, strength program. I think the last pick we've got the, the Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, you look at them and, uh, you know, they enter the offseason. They're optimistic that uh, Carson Wentz is going to return from that ACL and LCL to, to begin the season. But you know, even if he, he doesn't start right away, then you've got Nick Foles, you know, as the backup. Um, you know, they, they utilize that running back by committee um, with, with some success. You know, LeGarrette Blunt, Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement. Um, Blunt's gone. So this could be a spot for Darius Geis, who has that similar physical running style. Um, but when Trey Burton left, I think that opened a hole behind uh, Zach Ertz or really alongside Zach Ertz. And I think, you know, if you add someone like Dallas Goddard to this offense, that's going to be pretty enticing. I mean, seriously, how often do you see a team whose biggest receiving threat was at tight end? But that was exactly what South Dakota uh, State had with Goddard. You know, he led the team in receptions and yardage, uh, second on the team in touchdowns as a senior, uh, a year after setting single-season Jackrabbit records with 92 receptions and had uh, nearly 1,300 yards receiving, which was the fifth most in, uh, in school history. That's a tight end. Now, I know he, he lined up all over the field and was a mismatch nightmare. You know, he was too fast for the linebackers uh, over the middle and just overpowered DBs on the outside. Excellent hands, large catch radius, you know, attack the ball in the air. Um, 
you know, I think he put together a, an impressive highlight reel of, of some tremendous one-handed catches. You know, just Google Google uh, Dallas Goddard. It'll take you to, to YouTube, and you can watch some of those one-handed catches. They're pretty impressive. Uh, but he's also a, a really savvy route runner. You know, he knows how to create separation and get open. And, you know, the more that, that I watch Goddard, the more he reminds me of Travis Kelsey. You know, proved to be a matchup nightmare in the NFL for the Chiefs. I think he has the, has the same game. You know, he's... Needs needs some more work as as a blocker before you know he can really you know look to be to Travis Kelsey, um, you know it's something you know you look at Evan Ingram, you know who was expected to be a second round pick, then he ran a four 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 two forty time, and I think Goddard disappointed a lot of people by not running the forty at the combine or in his pro day, so we really don't know just how fast he is, but the game speed seems to be comparable to uh, to to Kelsey's who ran a four six one forty time, so. Goddard probably falls right around there, and if you look at the explosiveness, you know Goddard posted a, a 35-inch vertical leap and a broad jump of just over 10 feet, which are virtually identical to the numbers that that Travis Kelsey posted. Um, so I think that explosiveness, you know, is kind of in, indicative of of the type of player that I think Goddard's going to be at the next level. I think you're looking at another Travis Kelsey. If you put Kelsey on one side. Ertz on another side. Imagine the weapons that Carson uh, Carson Wentz has can be kind of scary. So we've made it through round one. So let's kind of switch some gears a little bit. You know, let's take a look at our time. Let's see where we're at here. Uh, you know, we've got some time. So you know what? Let's go ahead and uh, get back to the positional rankings. And you know, we left off at tight end. I uh, want to go ahead and make sure that we jump in here. Um, like I said, you know, the tight end position kind of a down year we had three tight ends taken in the first round oj howard evan ingram david and joku you know all three of those guys um you know were receiving threats and you're going to see some of you know that's going to be a theme here with with the, the tight ends uh, my first tight end hayden hurst uh 6'4 250 pounds uh junior out of south carolina already talked to about him earlier um uh, in this po- uh, podcast but again best prospect because he's a weapon in the passing game and can be a blocker in the running game. Now the, the next three uh, tight ends, you know, Goddard, uh, Mike Kosicki and, and Mark Andrews, all excellent pass catchers uh, who are mismatches on the outside. So I think they're, uh, they're all going to be top 50 picks. You know, in my opinion, you know, Goddard's definitely my number two. Uh, number three is going to be uh Gesicki, uh, six, five, 247 pounds out of Penn state. The three port, uh, three sports star in high school. You know he played basketball and volleyball along with football, and you can see that those skills translate onto the football field. Um, you know he he does a tremendous job using you know a bit that big body six five frame to box out defenders uh, for the ball down the field. I think he shields defenders from the ball very well in the uh, in in the red zone, making him an ideal red zone target. And really, all Penn State's quarterback uh, Trace Trace McSorley had to do was just throw the ball up. Let Gesicki go up and get it. I mean, he he could high point the ball with the best of them. His vertical leap is off the charts. You know, forty-one inch vertical leap at the combine. You know, and and this is a guy who won a, a slam dunk contest in high school as well. So you know, this guy can leap out of the building. You know, you couple that with his length. He's got thirty-four inch arms. And you've just got a weapon with an insane catch radius. All you have to do is put the ball near the guy. He's going to go up and get it. You know, and, and you think about you know the, the fact that he has speed to run by the by defenders as well. Four five four forty at the combine, fastest among tight ends, and was also faster than thirteen wide receivers and fifteen running backs. Think about that. 
think about that speed at the tight end position. So I think he'll be a mass matchup nightmare. And, you know, really the question that you're probably asking is, is why is he not going in the first round? Well, you know, his inability to be a consistent uh, inline blocker, you know, I think is probably what's going to get him, you know, keep him from, from being drafted in the first round. But, you know, who do I know? You know, what, what do I know? I, I projected Evan Engram as a second round pick and he ended up going in the first round to the Giants. So it's very possible that Mike Kosicki could, could be the, the first tight end taken. If the Saints are looking at, at someone who's going to be a receiving threat that they can ultimately develop into a good blocker, then uh, maybe they do take Mike Kosicki with that 27th pick. I wouldn't rule it out. Number four is, is going to be Mark Andrews, 6'5", 256 pounds out of Oklahoma. You know, this guy was a former wideout. Matchup nightmare on the outside, but you know he ultimately lined up all over the field for the Sooners, and really the breakout season was was his junior year. You know, uh, led the Sooners with 62 receptions, uh, over 950 yards, eight touchdowns. Ended up winning the Mackey Award for the top tight end, unanimous unanimous first team All American honors. Um, you know he was a favorite target of, of Baker Mayfield's because Baker just put it in his vicinity and he was gonna he was gonna haul it in. Excellent hands, um, you know, runs routes well, knows how to create uh, separation out of his breaks. Um, I think he's one of the better route runners of the uh, the tight ends. Um, you know, he was a former rec- uh, receiver, um, but I think he moves very well after the catch as well. So I think he offers some big play uh, ability down the field. But uh, he's someone that you're probably going to line up on the outside, line up in the slot. Not going to be much of an inline blocker just yet. But uh, he's a guy who's going to be uh, definitely a mismatch nightmare and someone who could potentially you know, uh, spring the wide receivers for extra yards down the field with some blocks on, on defensive backs. He did do that quite a bit at OU. At number five, you know, this is where it starts to drop off a little bit. But at five, I think Ian Thomas out of Indiana could be a third-round pick. 6'4", 259 pounds, um, became a, a weapon in the passing game for, for the uh, Hoosiers. Um, 376 yards, uh, five touchdowns as a, as a senior. I thought he was a weapon up the seam, uh, showed some speed to, to stretch some defenses down the middle of the field, but I think he's raw with his route running. You know, you saw him kind of double catch some passes, but, uh, definitely elusive in space. I think he's physical as a blocker. Um, so I think the fact that he has some versatility there, um, is going to get him drafted probably by the end of day two, you know, he may fall into day three. Um, just like uh, Troy Fumagalli out of Wisconsin, 6'5", 247 pounds. Um, yes, another Wisconsin tight end who's going to get drafted at the next level. Um, I ultimately think uh, Fumagalli is going to be a fourth-round pick. You know, he's not an exceptional athlete, um, lacks the strength as a blocker, but you know, he's, he's a good route runner, understands spacing, and just has a knack for getting open. He has excellent hands. So I, I think you know, if you want a sure-handed tight end, then I think you're going to look at, uh, you know, Fumagalli may not be a starter. You know, um, you know he could be a, a serviceable starter, but you know he could also end up being a, you know, a pretty good backup. You know, a guy that can come in and uh, catch some passes um, over the middle for for an offense. So that's the tight end position. I want to go ahead and start jumping into the trenches a little bit. Let's go ahead and and, and get in there and take a look at that offensive tackle position. You know, we were talking about the fact that you know we may not have uh, an offensive lineman go or an offensive tackle go in the top ten, um, but uh, you know there are three guys that I think will end up going in the first round out of this offensive tackle group. Mike McGlinchey talked about him in uh, in episode two. 
you know, 6'8", 309 pounds out of Notre Dame. Looks like a tight end, you know, with the way that he moves. You know, he definitely has prototypical size and length to be a tackle. I think he climbs well to the second level, seals off his man in the open field, uh, quick hips on his, on his combo blocks, um, effortless kick slide on the outside. You know, I think he really shuts down the outside rush. Um, does a good job taking his man up the field, but I think he struggles with a lot of the secondary moves back to the inside. He wants to do a lot of hand fighting without moving his feet, which is going to get him to to lean and lunge a little bit and get caught off balance. So I think that you know the struggle with speed rushers is going to end up putting him on the right side, which is why I had him going to Baltimore at number 16. It makes a lot of sense to bring him in, be that right tackle opposite Ronnie Stanley, reunite uh, the two uh, former fighting Irish Connor Williams just talked about him. Um, you know, the Texas tackle may not have the length to play tackle, um, but I think he could be a week one starter, um, most likely at guard. Um, but I, I think he has that versatility to to potentially be a tackle at the next level. Uh, Colton Miller, you know, athletic and underrated, moving up draft boards. Uh, I think he can add some strength play with some consistent pad level. You know, he has a chance to really start early. I think he has some high upside. Uh, think Lane Johnson. When you're looking at Colton Miller, I think somebody who, uh, with his athleticism, is really going to start rising up draft boards. And I think you know Colton Miller could have you know there's there's a chance that he could be drafted in, in the t- you know top 20 picks. Um, I, I think he has that type of upside. Um, which then takes us to uh, the number four offensive tackle um, for me. That's Orlando Brown out of Oklahoma. Uh, 6'8", 347 pounds, the junior, um, you know, that's the son of, of Zeus, you know, big Orlando Brown, um, you know, an NFL veteran, uh, the late, great uh, Orlando Brown, um, you know, his son, the you know, Orlando Jr., um, you know, he, he's just a mammoth of a man. You know, he, he was tasked with blocking for the Heisman Trophy winner, Blake, uh, Baker Mayfield, who was running all over um, that field, you know, but, you know, he, he led that offensive line that blocked for the nation's leader in, in total offense. You know, they, they, uh, had 579.6 yards per game. Um, you know, and when you look at his, his measurements, he's just enormous and has a huge wingspan, but he had a horrendous combine. And I think that's really where a lot of people turned on him. Um, put up 225 in the bench press just 14 times, ran a 58540, which is among the slowest in the history of the combine. And his 10-yard split was a was a 2.0, um, which you know is is not very good. You know he did improve on his on his 40, but I think he still only ran like a 5.6 at his pro day. Um, but what's weird is you watch the game film and you see him absolutely engulfing defensive ends at the point of attack, and uh, if he gets his hands on you inside quickly and locks out his arms, it's all over because he's going to control you. And uh, you know he showed that you know he can bend at his knees. He showed some surprisingly nimble feet. Um, you know, he does lose the edge against a speed rusher because, but you know, because he is so big and it's so difficult to get around him, he can, he can recover and drive his man up the field. Um, you know, he was a, a top pass protector. So that's one of the things that you, you can't lose sight of just by watching the combine. You know, he only surrendered one sack in 659 snaps, you know, and, and I think he's physical in the ground game as well. Um, and you see some of that mean streak come out you want to see more of that, more of that mean streak. Um, but I think he's going to end up being a right tackle at the next level. I think it'll be a second round pick, you know, and if you look at Orlando Brown, he reminds me a lot of another sooner Phil Lodeholt, 
you know, who was a mainstay on the Vikings line for a decade at right tackle. And I think Orlando Brown uh, could be that same guy. Uh, number five on my offensive tackle list is, is uh, Terrell Crosby out of, out of Oregon. 6'5", 309 pounds, a senior. You know, he's a physical road grader uh, in, the, in the ground game, you know, which I think he, it's going to make him you know, a perfect candidate to be a right tackle. I don't think he's all that, uh, you know, he's not a great athlete. Uh, ran a 5'2", 3", uh, 40. You know, that's really what confirmed that he's not the best athlete in the world. I thought he played way too high um, in pass protection and, and struggled with some of the speed rushers. But I think, you know, he's physical at the point of attack, has violent hands, and he's going to drive defenders back with with his lower body. He's got really, real, real strong power in, in his lower half. Um, so I think he'll be a starter that could stick um, at, at right tackle. Uh, have him go into the 49ers in, in round two. Number six on my list is Brian O'Neill out of Pittsburgh. Uh, six, seven, 297 pounds, uh, former tight end, excellent movement, movement skills. Ran a 4.8240 with the 1.7 10-yard split. Uh, so, he, you know, he's got excellent length, quick kick slide, um, able to wall off, defend, uh, wall off defenders, you know, with their secondary moves. Um, can get out in space in a hurry. He's going to bury defenders on the move. Uh, but he's got to put on some size if he's going to keep from getting overpowered at the point of attack. You know, his athleticism reminds me a lot of Jake Fisher, uh, who was the second round pick of the Bengals in 2015. But, you know, on the flip side, he also has just 11 starts to his credit um, thus far in those three seasons that he's played with the Bengals. Um, next offensive tackle, I think, is a guy who's kind of flying under the radar. Um, and that's John Chris, uh, Christian. Uh, junior out of Louisville, 6'5", 296 pounds. He's a three-year starter, played both offensive tackle positions, has excellent length, uh, decent athleticism as a pass protector, but I think he needs to, to take that physicality to the defender and not be so reactionary. I think when he when he gets into that, that, that'll get him into trouble. But I think he can be a starter on the right side right away and potentially slide over to left tackle down the road. I think he's a sleeper in this draft. Uh, number eight, uh, you got Chukwuma, uh, a core of four out of uh, Western Michigan, 6'6", 320 pounds. And Chuka, you know, he, he started all 39 games, um, you know, in his final three seasons with uh, with the Broncos, played both offensive tackle positions, good length. You know, he needs to really stay low. You know, if he can do that, he can engulf his defenders at the point of attack um, and play, you know, got to play with that leverage. You know, if he's quick out of his stance, gets his hands and stays inside, he can really hold his own. But that pad level creeps up. That gets him into trouble, and he really struggles laterally with with speed. So I think he gets caught oversetting, gets beaten inside. So I think he's yet another right tackle prospect in this group. Um, a couple of names to think about, you know, later on in the draft. A couple of sleepers: um, Brandon Parker out of North Carolina A and T, six eight, three hundred five pounds. I got to to watch him in the Celebration Bowl against Grambling, um, and then all, also at the at the Senior Bowl. You know, he's credited with never giving up a sack in his collegiate career, has excellent length, uh, but his height also causes his pad level to rise. Um, but uh, if he can stay down, I think that he may have a future at the next level. As does uh, Alex Kappa out of Humboldt State, 6'6", 305. He's physical, he's nasty, he's mean. And uh, the NFL Network's Mike Mayock says that he's the guy who just throws guys out of the club. You know, I think every time you watched uh, uh, Senior Bowl prep, you know, because you know I was sitting at home, I didn't get a get a chance to go. Um, but uh, watching the, the the footage, 
you know, if, if, if I didn't have it on mute and I was listening to Mike, every time he watched Alex Kappa, it was, this is a guy that's going to throw guys out of the club. And uh, he, he did just that. You know, I think he had some inconsistent feet at the senior bowl. So I think he may have to move inside, but he's another guy who I think can stick at the next level. So those are my offensive tackles. And, uh, you know, what we're going to kind of do here is, is transition just a little bit to the interior line, you know, the guard and center. I think it's a deep draft for the interior lineman. If, if there's a team that's, uh, you know, looking to, to upgrade the interior of, of, of their offensive line. And I think there are quite a few teams that are in need of, uh, of, of doing just that. This could be a draft for them. Um, obviously my number one is, is Quentin Nelson, um, six, five, 325 pounds, you know, guard out of Notre Dame, uh, Obviously, you know, a, a top 10 pick. Um, he's a mauler. He's nasty. Um, he's looking to finish, um, but he's also technically sound. Um, and, and in, you know, in, in pass protection, he didn't give up a sack in 819 snaps. So, you know, to me, I think he's, he's the complete and what you're, you know, complete player and what you're looking for at the offensive guard position. Now, when we're talking about nasty, when we're talking about a guy who's just going to get into there and just maul you and just want to bury you. Um, you're talking about Will Hernandez out of UTEP. You know, this is a guy who could potentially make history as the first minor selected in the first round. Um, and, you know, the more that I, I talk about Will Hernandez, the more that I watch him, the more that he reminds me of uh, Richie Incognito. You know, um, so I, I think there's a chance that he could replace him with Buffalo with the 22nd overall pick. And uh, I'd be quite excited. You know, I got to watch uh, UTEP play uh, quite, a bit, uh, quite a bit this past year. And he was one of my favorite players to watch, hands down. Um, because he was always dominating his man at the point of attack. Uh, number three, you know, for center off the board, uh, James Daniels out of Iowa. We've talked about him as well. Fundamentally sound center uh, with some versatility to play either guard position as well. And number four, we're going Isaiah Wynn out of Georgia. Uh, played offensive tackle uh, for the Bulldogs, but uh, 6'3", 313 pounds, doesn't have ideal length. So uh, he's going to play guard at the next level. You know, he did hold down the uh, protecting the blind side of uh, of Jake Fromm for the Dogs. Um, you know, he's somebody who I think is is very light on his feet. That lateral quickness really allowed him to beat his man to the edge. You know, I, I thought that you know he'd take him all the way up the field and away from the pocket. Uh, good patience as well. He'd he'd wait for the defender to make the move before he would slide and. and um, slide outside or, you know, that quick power step to quickly cut off an inside rush. Um, active hands, good job getting them, you know, inside to control his defender. Um, you know, he's also agile and effective in the running game. You know, that toss sweep was a staple of the of the Georgia running game. And, you know, Wim was the guy that was pulling out in front of, as the lead blocker and getting a, a kickout block on the linebacker in the process. He's a second-round pick, um, possibly to the Giants, the Bears, the Bucks, you know, there are a few teams that could potentially be looking for a guard. Um, you know, and I think Isaiah Wynn's going to be an early second round pick. As is my number five, Billy Price. You know, a versatile guy. He can play all three positions. You know, is he going to be a center or a guard? He can play either one. 6'4, 305. Um, you know, he had, you know, he's really deserving of a first round grade. I think, you know, he is the, he is versatile. Um, you know, he, he Started at all all three interior line positions, 16 games at, at left left guard, 25 at right guard, and uh, 14 at, at at center. And his 55 consecutive starts are a team record that you know he has tied with uh, current Viking Pat Elfline. You know, and Pat Elfline you know started right away at the next level, 
and uh, I, I was kind of bummed, you know, really um, wanted to see what, you know, how many reps that he could put in at, at 225 at the combine because he's really known for his brute strength uh, at the point of attack. You know, I think he's quick to make that contact and then uh, he's looking to, to bury you. He's another guy who's just, you know, going to maul you and, uh, and, and drive you to the ground. I think he's got some good, good torque. Um, you know, in his hips, you know, he can bring his hips around to really seal off defenders, um, some athleticism to, to climb to the second level as well. Um, I think he really is at his best as a pulling guard. You know, he can get out of a stance quickly and really shows that ankle flexion to, to turn the corner in a hurry. Um, short area quickness to climb to the second level as well. Um, he's someone who's going to be a day one starter. You know, that torn uh, pec muscle really kind of sent, you know, sent his draft stock down a little bit. Um, and I really don't know why, because he should be ready to go by, by training camp. So I'm not sure exactly why um, his draft stock's dropping. But uh, if he falls into round, into round two, he's not going to be there for very long. Number six is uh, Austin Corbett out of Nevada. Uh, 6'4", 306 pounds. Now, he reminds me of another former Wolfpack alum. Um, you know, Joel Batonio uh, started at left tackle for Nevada, you know, but slid over to guard uh, at the next level. And Batonio was a second-round pick of the Browns in 2014 and has started all 47 games in which he's played. You know, Corbett, to me, you know, he, he doesn't have ideal length, but he's going to make up for, for being really a technician and uh, has good movement skills. You know, he gets off, off the ball quickly. Uh, he's a knee-bender. Uh, gets his hands under the defender's pad level and pass protection. Good lateral agility to mirror and, and push it, push a man up the field. Really a smooth athlete in the in the ground game. Nimble feet, uh, quick to the second level, um, and and could drive his man down the field. Um, you know he's durable. Uh, started all 48 games at left tackle. Um, I think he can be a leader up front. Named a, a you know team captain for three seasons in Reno. Um, he's someone who I think could be a day one starter as well. I think a team will be happy to, to pick him up um, on day two. Um, just a few other names to, to mention briefly, and then we'll be wrapping things up. Um, Braden Smith out of out of Auburn um, played 53 games, started uh, 41 consecutive starts, mostly at right guard. Freakish athlete, impressive strength, put up 35 reps at 225. Uh, he's explosive as well, uh, 35 and a half inch vertical leap for a guy that size, 315 pounds, um, uses his strength to dominate the point of attack in the running game, um, and I think he can generate movement with uh, with some explosion out of his stance. Um, you know, the one thing that you worry about, you know, he struggles with his pad level. He is 6'5 as a guard, so he's a little bit on the on the taller side. That'll limit his uh, his effectiveness. He's really at his best when he can keep that pad level low and drive into his man and really pave the way for a running back. Uh, Martinez Rankin out of Mississippi State. He was a two-year starter at left tackle for the Bulldogs. Uh, came as a, as a JUCO transfer. Very easy mover uh, on the edge. Um, very nimble. Slides laterally very well. Another guy who's a knee bender. Tremendous balance. Um, you know, he has, you know, three, uh, just under 34-inch arms. Um, so he is capable of playing tackle at the next level, but I think there's a future for him at center. I think that's ultimately going to be where he winds up is at the center position. Um, a couple other names to, to know. Um, Arkansas's Frank Ragnall, uh, two-year starter at, at the pivot, at, you know, at center. Um, intelligent guy, picks up blitzes and slant, uh, stunts well, um, works well in small spaces, uh, locks onto his defender well at the point of attack. I think he's a late third or early fourth round pick. Um, Colby Gossett 
and you're a guard out of Appalachian State, 6'5", 311 pounds, started 44 games for the Mountaineers. I think he was a steady performer. He was versatile, uh, played a lot of different positions there for the Mountaineers. Uh, he's strong at the point, and I think he's a, a fourth-round pick who can who can start at the next level. Um, and if you're looking for a small school guy, um, how about Skyler William? Or I'm sorry, Skyler Phillips, um, Idaho State. 6'3", 318 pounds. He was a tackle in college, but he doesn't, you know, he lacks that ideal length. Again, he's 6'3", um, but, you know, I think he kick inside, has excellent movement skills, uh, 5'140 at the combine. Um, I think he has a chance to start um, and be an early day three pick. You, know, you watch him at the combine, just really a fluid mover. Um, one, one of those guys who just looks like a natural athlete out there on the football field. So we've gone through... All of the offense, we've also talked about the first round. So you know, as we're bringing the episode three to a close, you know, what are we going to be talking about on episode four? Well, since we have made it through round one, we'll start sorting through what we can expect on day two. Um, you know, that second and third round, you know, I think you can get a lot of depth and a lot of uh, a lot of playmakers at the next level. Um, you know, when you're talking about uh, the second and third round in last year's draft, a couple of names that come to mind. You know, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, Cooper Cup, Juju Smith-Schuster. We've talked about him quite a bit. I think that's kind of the narrative that you've seen um, all year long out on the out on the football field as well, because those are guys that have been making plays. You know, that you can get a lot of really good players in the second and third round. We're going to be taking a look at that and, and really breaking down some of the guys who I think can make a make an impact. Um, that'll be coming off the board on uh, on day two. And then from the positional breakdown, uh, we'll turn to the defensive side of the ball. We get to take a look at uh, some defenders. We'll get into the trenches again. We'll we'll see if we can you know have time to take a look at the linebackers and uh, and the secondary as well. Um, you know, don't forget to check us out on on readyforthedraft.com. Um, I'm going to be putting some some more uh, you know updates to to my mock draft and try to put some more content there on the website. So stay tuned for that. And uh, again. One week. That's all we have left. One week away from the NFL draft. I am so excited. I can't wait. I know uh, I'll be sitting in front of the TV uh, just waiting for the draft to begin um, on Thursday, April 26th, AT&T Stadium in in Arlington, uh, Arlington, Texas. I can't wait. I hope you are as excited as I am. You know, it's really time to get excited. You know, this is one of my favorite times of year, NFL draft. Um, you know, and un- until next time, everyone, I hope everyone has a great day and take care. I'm out.